Okay, guys, listen up. Seltzer is all the rage these days, and now there's even hard seltzer. Speaking of which, have you tried Bud Light Seltzer? so good. It's seltzer with a hint of fruit flavor. And get this, it's only 100 calories, two grams of carbs, and less than one gram of sugar. Plus, it's gluten-free. It's perfect for when my friends are bugging me to have a drink with them, and I don't want hard alcohol. I can just have my Bud Light seltzer. Thank you very much. I'm obsessed with the black cherry, but it also comes in strawberry, lemon lime, and mango. I mean, make that sound better. I bet you want to try them all right now, right? This is making me extremely thirsty. Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Okay, so we're, we're going to do our little What's on Your Mind segment. I'm going to let Janice introduce this. She found this, uh, I guess it's an essay. Huh? I came across it. It's kind of like the, the five regrets people have when they're passing that they wish they'd done or not done or, you know what I mean? That, right. Uh, and it's from a nurse uh, who works in, I guess it's called palliative, palliative care. Palliative care. So her patients are essentially people who, who go home to pass away. Go home, they come home to pass away or they go into a facility. Like a hospice care is right. palliative care. Yeah. Oh, my God. Palliative care. So basically she talks about how people grow emotionally um, and psychologically when they're faced with their own mortality. And I, re- I was reading this that essay that Janice gave me, and it's really it's obvious but profound. Uh, and I wanted to discuss it with you guys to give you something to think about before yeah. it's too late. <laughs> really? You know, um, and the first one is, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life others expected of me. And I think this is really, this is really profound. And I remember one day on my Facebook page, I said, like, you know, every, you're here for a reason. You have your unique purpose in the universe. And, um, you know, the truth is your own. Your truth is what you make it. You, you make that meaning for yourself in this life. And immediately, I mean, there were a lot of people that liked it. Don't get me wrong. A lot of people were like, thumbs up, like, 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 you know, it had thousands of likes. But at the same time, there were a host of comments on there, quite honestly, from from heavy-duty religious people. And they're like, Jesus is the only meaning, and Jesus is the way, and Jesus is the light, and everyone else is wrong. And I thought, thank you so much for proving exactly my point. What about Jews? What about Buddhists? What about Muslims? What about atheists? Like, my point is... Their God is their truth. That's their truth. That's their God. And the whole point is not to let someone like you tell them who their God is. And, you know, I think we feel so much pressure from our parents or from society to live a certain way or believe a certain thing or, you know, behave in a certain way. And I really like, you know, again, I I don't know much about organized religion at all. But when you hear those real simple principles of like, do unto others, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Don't don't cover your neighbor's wife like don't don't cheat on people don't treat people like crap They're pretty basic yeah values. like don't kill somebody yeah, yeah you know just just like honestly try do no harm it's like it's like the hippocratic oath or whatever that these doctors take or whatever it's like do no harm try to do no harm in the world do your best to do no harm and the rest is up to you and you don't want to get to the end and go god 
I wish that I had lived differently. I wish that I had pursued my dreams. I wish that I wasn't the facilitator of everyone else's happiness. Because by the way, we've said it a million times, when you're happy, they're happy. Yeah. So I love that one. Here's one that I really relate to. And I had this kind of uh, awakening um, back when I was doing Losing It. And it's, I wish I didn't work so hard. And she, this woman says that this come, came from every male patient that she'd ever nursed. And they'd miss their children's youth. They miss their partner's companionship. And she says that women also spoke of this regret, but it was a more older generation. So the females at that time had not been breadwinners. But for me, I remember when I was shooting Losing It and I was staying with families and, uh, you know, these families that had kids. And I was like, "Uh oh, I think I have I think I've missed the point here. Like, am I going to get to the end of my life and go, God, I wish I'd spent more hours at the office or do I want, you know, my kids and my grandkids and you know, my family surrounding me at the end of my life? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I definitely had that moment. And, and I was working so hard, too, that it's there was no I'm like, why am I working so hard to make all make all this money and not enjoy any of it? I don't travel anywhere. I don't. you know, And I changed. I started traveling constantly. I mean, I've been on a I noticed that. I noticed oh. a shift in how you started traveling more. Oh my god, you know, the Middle East, Japan, Asia, Europe, Mexico. I was like And that's what did it. It was that point. It was really that moment where I was like I'm physically exhausted. Yeah. And what and I love my work, so it's it's definitely a balance. It's it becomes the life is too short conversation though for me where I'm I think to myself, okay, if I don't love it, I'm giving it up. I'm quitting it and I'm going to move on. But it definitely, and and here's another thing I catch myself doing. Even now with kids and this and that, it's sort of like, geez, when are we out of diapers? You know, and I'm, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Or it's like when, you know, God, oh my God, I can't wait for the day that my daughter's comfortable when I'm not in the room. And then I thought, oh, wow, when that day comes, I'm going to be really upset. You know what I'm saying? Like we constantly wish for life to evolve without being in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm the queen of that. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy changing this kid's crap diapers. Even though, let me tell you, you need a, what's that suit? A hazmat suit? You need one of the, it's some, holy mother of God. But it's like, it's, you know, she's a baby right now. She needs me. It's the, my kids. It's this, you know, enjoy it. Instead of being like, when can we get to the stage where we're out of diapers? You know, so I'm really trying to kind of slow my roll and look at the things that matter and not get caught up in the rat race. The next one that I really liked, um, God, this one's so important, Janice. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Oh, yeah. Ain't that the truth, eh? Think about the alternative. How, I mean, if you can't express your feelings, we talked about this on another show opener, even when it just came to like sex life, right? You were saying that your your finishing move didn't work in bed <laughs> on someone. And I said that it wasn't you, it was them. Because you're not a mind reader. It's their job to tell you what they want. In bed, out of bed, with your family, with your friends. People don't read your mind. If you want to have a deeper, more meaningful relationship or a more productive career, you have to communicate. It falls on you. And I think we're so afraid because we're so afraid of being vulnerable and then being rejected. But guess what you end up creating? Distance and a lack of intimacy. So by not being vulnerable and not communicating your needs, you automatically create the thing you're afraid of, which is separation. 
It's so toxic. It's so toxic to keep that stuff in. It's so toxic not to say it. Oh, you know? yeah. Or, or you explode, and that's the worst. Yeah, and you hold it and hold it and hold it, and then yeah. you resent and yeah. all kinds of yeah. No, big mistake. Don't do that. This one's interesting. I don't do this. Do you do this? I wish I'd let myself be happier. Many didn't realize until the end that happiness is a choice, this one writes. They had stayed stuck in old patterns and habits uh, with the so-called comfort and familiarity that overflowed into their emotions as well as their physical lives. Fear of change had them pretending to others and to themselves that they were content. I see. I don't do that. I, I get that. that. I get that. It is a choice. And and I started deciding to myself, and I, that's so funny you say that because I've started deciding in this last couple of weeks, I'm going to wait. I'm going to be, ha- I'm just going to be happy. I'm just going to be happy. And you know what? I'm happy. I'm yeah. out in the garden and the flowers are all blooming and it's like, and I'm filled with this because I chose, I chose to, I just made the choice to be happy. I, I don't know. It's, it's I know it even sounds, when stuff's bad, you're happy. Even when things are maybe sad around you, there's you can just choose to be. I can't do that. I actually can't do that. If stuff's bad, I can't. I can't choose to be happy. Or, but what I can do is, if stuff's bad, I can choose to change it. Like I can say, oh no, I'm not sitting in this. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm changing this. I'm moving out of this. I'm throwing that away. I'm letting that go. I'll do that. Yeah, yeah. I, like I'm, I'm not saying that. Things aren't going to make you sad, but you can you can choose. I do believe that. I do no, believe that. I think you're right. I think it's everything in life is, is is a choice. Even when bad things happen to you, you choose how you're going to handle it. Are you going to find the meaning? Are you going to find the lesson? Are you going to like my business partner was in a car accident, and uh, it was a bad accident, right? And he's like, "I'm fine, I'm fine." And I, I was like, "You know, gee, I don't think you're fine. You're not going to know." For a couple of days, you know, please don't do anything stupid. No, no, I'm fine. I feel great. I'm like, please, I'm begging you, don't do anything stupid. Well, sure enough, a week later, it turns out he has something called like an ang- anguinal, ang- something like that, an anguinal hernia. And it was from the force of his internal impacts being, sl- in organs being slammed in this impact. He got this crazy hernia. And I, I was like, and this guy is a guy who, I mean, he loves to work out. He loves his wife. And what I mean by that is he likes to sleep with his wife a lot. He's got this really pretty, very beautiful, lovely wife. I mean, it's like these are the things that he loves, right? He's just a guy's guy. He works out all the time. He loves to sleep with his wife. And he's just an active guy. He can't do any of that now for six weeks. And he is like on a ledge. And he's not happy about it, nor do I think he could. I don't think he could even choose to be happy about it. But what I what we were talking about is I was like, listen, here's what your options are. You either choose to find the lesson in this and learn it or it's going to get 10 times worse. And for him, he needs to learn that he's got to slow down and he's got to respect that there are things he can't control. Mm-hmm. And he has to start asking for help because he can't. He's got to go in for surgery now and the whole thing. And I'm like, you have to now you have to ask for help. And you also have to know that you can't you can't control everything. This accident happened. You're not fine. You can't go running. You can't, you know, and it's I'm like, you better learn this and you better submit, because if you screw with this, you're going to have a real serious health problem. And, you know, in that it's like it'll be real big for him to be able to let go of needing to fix everything. And to be able to let people help him versus him having to fix everything. So there could be a lesson in that where he finds the happiness instead right. of being a victim of the situation. Right. And, and if you want to get into the spiritual thing way of things, yeah. where 
we're presented with things for a reason, and maybe this is maybe this is his 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 turning point. I think so. I try to look at it like that, but anyway, I love this. So I guess she wrote a book, right? Should I? It's called. uh, It's by a woman named Bronnie B R O N N I E Ware W A R E, and it's called the Top Five Regrets of Dying: A Life Transformed by the Dearly Departed. Um, And it's about a memoir of her life. And how her life was transformed through the regrets of the dying people she cared for. I think that's yeah. so cool. Yeah. That's those awesome. Are, those are special nurses. Those Jan, it's good yeah. for you. Look at you. You did something right today. Oh, my God. Hang on. Let me write this date down. <laughs> <laughs> Not like that stupid gym parking lot tip you had a little while back. You know what? God, that was dumb. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but this was good. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Right. What's All right. next? Uh, we'll take a little break and we'll come back and do some fitnessy. Oh, fitnessy. All right, I'll do my best. Okay. Let's see. Dancing over there? Yeah, I got. Uh, I had my pants. I got. I got. I got. I got to do some exercise today. It's okay. a major exercise. Today. All right. Like something. Like I always try and get my heart rate up. At least pounding every day. Do oh. something to make it pound every day. Life makes my heart rate pound every day. <laughs> oh, look at you. Even need to... Look at you. You oh, know what Jenna's life makes just... my heart yeah. beat. Let me tell you. <laughs> Holy crap. I've always said, like, bite off more than you can chew and chew it. I am choking. <laughs> Just like this. You know, Janice. Oh, my God. Life makes Holy my heart. Jeez. Oh well, all right. You, 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 want, you want me to give you a fitness segment? Maybe you can use it later. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I was going to do a segment on uh, fixing your running form. Oh. By the way, I run hard. I actually have. It's so sad. I actually have the worst form because I have this imbalance in my body where, uh, and I don't know where I got this from. I don't know if it's like, if it's from years of martial arts training or what it is, but I do this thing where I don't activate my glutes at all. And I stand like, I always have all my weight in my heels and I lean back. I don't realize I do this, but I when, when you're, you're just, just regularly, life, yeah. Okay. I lean back, and then because I lean back, I rotate my shoulders in to balance myself out, so I don't fall. It's the strangest thing, but in doing so that, so you're a hump, kind of a hump. Well, it's like I lean on my heels, and I think heels. it's because I'm so used to having like my weight in my heels. I like I lean in my heels, and then my shoulders kind of come forward to balance me out. But what it's done is it's so I've activated like I use too much of my psoas and my hip flexors and my abdominals when I walk. So it pulls on my SI joint. I know this is complicated, but then I get one hip that's higher than the other. And if you watch, like, if you actually watch my exercise videos and you know, you know what you're doing. Like, if you were a trainer, you'd see me and go, look at how she's imbalanced here. Look, look at she's how the letter C. Look at how her hip is rotated there. Or, like, when I go into Warrior, my hip's rotated. Or, like, my yoga teacher sees it all the time. She's always like, rotate your hip, you know, work really? on it. Oh, yeah, I oh, don't know. It's, if you're a true... If you know fitness, you'll see it on me in a, in a second. But 
I, because of that, it's so interesting. Like, and I power through it because I'm really strong. Right. So for me, it's like I can still do it. I I power through whatever I need to do, which is not good, really. But um, I've been really working on trying to fix my body because as I've gotten older, it's gotten harder and harder for me to power through these things. And it's it's yeah. one of the reasons I could never run a it's marathon not- is because it's just I'm like, oh, my knee will go because when yeah. you're you've got one hip higher than the other, your IT band is loaded on one side and it just locks up on you after three miles. So. Anyway, I started getting into, you know, all right, let me let me really work on my form. I run like my arms wing out and my, I, you know, it's just, <laughs> I know how to do it too. I can teach it in a second. But I personally am like, it's like, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Because it's just, I'm like, I you're don't really, have the patience to fix really these things. Quite a oh, no, I mean, are you, I'm, I'm serious. Like, if yourself. you actually watch me, like, I'll instruct you on what to do. But I don't ever take the time to fix my... <laughs> My instabilities, which is so telling. So I thought I might help you guys as I've attempted to help myself because running when you actually do it right feels great. And over time, you shouldn't be, you know, jacking your shins or your knees or your this or your that. So um, the first thing is your posture. And when you're running uh, right now, there's new evidence out there that talks about heel strike. I'm sorry, uh, the striking with the ball of your foot, not on your heel and um, so first we want to talk about uh, your forward lean. So you don't want to lean back when you run and you're driving your heel into the ground, which is really jarring for your hips and your knees and your ankle joints. What you want to do is get a slight forward lean in your body posture, maybe two or three degrees off of completely perpendicular, just a slight lean. And it gives you it gives you a little forward tilt. And it, it's it's kind of like if you're too far forward, you're shoving your full body weight into the ground with each stride. And if you're too far back, you're jamming your heel. So just, just that slightly, just beyond perpendicular to the ground. And one of the ways that you can do this is by aligning your neck and your torso so that your eyes guide you and you're looking towards the horizon, not the ground. So kind of tuck your chin a little bit. Don't let it jut out because if it's jutting out, then you're, you're going too far forward. So kind of tuck it in, but don't look at the ground. Look forward at the horizon. That'll help. You get that alignment. Now, the next thing is your arm position. Oh, and I am the worst at this. Yeah, I am so bad at this. And I find that it's like if you find that your biceps and your shoulders are getting tired when you run, you're doing it wrong. So what you want to do is you want to relax your neck and you want your shoulders to slope down and your elbows should be only slightly bent, nice and loose. Um, and if you're, if what's happening is you're feeling like you're locking up and you're holding your, your biceps, like you're holding your forearms up parallel to the ground, yeah, that's too high. You want a slight bend in the elbow and you want those shoulders away from your ears. You want them to almost like fall into the ground. Um, and what will happen is as fatigue will start to set in, you'll notice like, wow, you're cramping. When it does, dr- just for a second, drop your hands down and shake them out. Just yeah. let them completely go. Let all the tension in your arms go. And shake them out and loosen it up so that you can like be conscientious of when you're tensing. Now, when it comes to your hand position, think about putting your hands where your hip line is. Basically the midpoint of your torso, but you don't want to cross that line. So it's like you want them just just right where below the belly button, just where the hip is, just above the hips. And you want them relaxed. I call them like T-Rex arms, like they sort of hang there like little T-Rex arms. 
Um, don't let them go below the midline, though, because what it'll do is it'll rock you side to side. If you let if you let your hands drop, it'll make you get more side to side movement. That's bad. What? I'm trying to help you. No, I know. It just is a funny visual. Think of a loose fist. Yeah, I've heard that. I remember when I used to run in high school and they used to have us, sometimes we'd have to stretch our hands because we get so tense in yeah. our fists. Yeah. Loose fist, yeah. midpoint, midline, like below the belly button, right about, right about hip level. Okay. Okay. Next one. And here's, this is new. I mean, but this is all the foot doctors are saying that this is the way to go. Now, I'm not, I'm not into the barefoot running yet. I'm sorry. I just, I think that yeah. I've seen way too many injuries. But what I am willing to do is uh, embrace the... The ball of the foot strike. You know, you mentioned that to me about the ball, and I start, I've been thinking about it and thinking about it. And when you watch the Olympics, I mean, I know we're not Olympic runners, but when they're when they're mm. going for it, they're on the balls of their feet. Even not just the dash, yeah, the dash. Oh my God, that's aging myself. That hundred yard dash. No, but, but like the, even the like the four hundred yeah. or the eight hundred, they're on their they're on balls their, of their feet. Yeah. Yep. And what what they're saying is that if you're landing on your heel, you're overstriding. Because you're, you're, you're essentially extending your leg so long. Think about it, that your heel is striking oh, yeah. first. So they say that you're spo- all the current research says that you're supposed to land on the balls of your feet and that it helps you flow with a forward energy. Um, and they recently did a study, Harvard did a study, and they found that forward, that forefoot strikers, so people that strike on their forefoot, the ball of their foot, have fewer injuries than heel strikers. So one of the ways you can help yourself do this is to think about flicking your heel back quickly after your foot contacts with the ground so you want to like visualize yourself pawing the ground with your feet almost like when you cycle and you go through yeah yeah well not well kind of yeah because we're not like exactly that's that's pretty much yeah you're gripping it with your toes almost um and of course remember a good pair of shoes i'm I'm still sorry i'm just not i'm not into the barefoot running yet i'm not i don't not unless you've conditioned your feet to do that if you've broken yourself in slowly and you've taken the time and you've allowed like the bones and the tendons and all of that stuff to strengthen, then okay, great. But I'd like a good pair of shoes if, personally for you. And, and to have someone watch you run. You have someone who's knowledgeable say, could you watch me run? And they can pick out some things. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, like in the cold weather climates that are now getting warmer, you see lots of running groups, like the people out in gangs running. And, and those are kind of cool because they... There's usually someone guiding it that can help you with, um, yeah. So you're trying not trying to figure it out for yourself, like me, trying to talk right now. <laughs> you're doing great, buddy. No, but I, I just sometimes it's just say, could you, could you watch me run? Yeah, Please. there you go. <laughs> Make sure I'm not doing the side arms. To flip like, the winging out of the shoulders. The wings like I chilling. wing my elbow out. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's so funny and like it's just. I, and I work with like, you know, I, I work with all these fitness professionals because we're always like collaborating and creating. Yeah. And they're like, dude, and I'm like, I know, just shut up. Shut up. They're like, have you seen your, I'm like, shut up. It's just, but it's like my hip, you know, I don't know, what are you going to do? I am trying to fix it, but I'll be honest with you. I was making all this effort, but now with kids, like when you carry kids, do, I mean, the whole thing goes to hell in a handbasket because you're just your physicality trying to physically on a hip. Or, oh, yeah. my God. I mean, even when you try to hold to hold them in front of you, I find that, like, I do more of the leaning back because I'm counterbalancing the weight in the front. 
So I'm, I like plant my feet and push my pelvis board and lean back. So it's just, yeah, my life is over, but (laughs) I can still help you people out there. Oh dear. All right. Now what? Now. Yeah. Now what we should do is uh, maybe we should talk to some people. I'm ready. Okay. Fine. Good. Christy from Nebraska is waiting to talk to you. Hey, Christy, what's going on? Hi, Jillian. I'm so excited to finally get to talk to you. Oh, thank you. Well, it's mutual. Um, with the Total Body Revolution program, if you encounter a setback like a minor injury or an illness, this is funny. Um, how I, should you proceed? I just had this call. That that's that's very funny. Um, okay. If you get an illness, what kind of illness? Um, it was actually lower respiratory. I had uh, a fever, had all the, okay. the okay. stuff that you were coughing up. <laughs> all, all the stuff. <laughs> all That's the polite. All right. Uh, when you're sick, your immune system is compromised, right? Your, your body is physically depleted and exhausted and fighting off an infection. The last thing you need to be doing is exercising. Really and truly. I mean, it's just it's just adding stress to your body. Your body doesn't have the resources to utilize that exercise in a productive way. Like, you're not going to be able to rebuild and recover. It's just going to tax the hell out of you and take valuable energy away from your ability to fight off a disease. So you should just get better. And, and that's so hard for people to do, especially us Americans. We're like doers. We're goers. Oh, I'm sick. I'll fight through it. It's just, it's such an incredible, you know, go to Europe. They're like, I'm sick. I'm I'm taking the whole week (laughs) off work. You know, it's just, it's don't work out. The next thing is, um, until you're better. Now talk to me about the injury you sustained. Um, I didn't actually have an injury this time. I've had injuries in the past, but, um, I was thinking minor injuries like, maybe a sprained ankle or something like that. That's not so minor. I mean, in, in the, on the scale of, well, I mean, depending on the level of, of uh, sprain, but you can't be jumping around on a sprained ankle. That's not minor. Like if you said, oh, I sprained my finger, I'd be like, well, okay. But you sprained <laughs> your ankle. I mean, it's like it's the base on one of your legs. There's two legs that hold you up and one of them is cooked. So that's, that's not so minor. Um, when you have an injury, you can work out around it. If it's a lower body injury, then you usually will recommend somebody do an upper body workout. So, for example, uh, gosh, with a sprained ankle, I would probably put you on a rowing machine and I'd put your feet on the ground, not the foot pegs. That way, and I'd just have you row, just upper body rowing without having to press or put the foot or the, in, into flexion of any kind. Um, another thing I would have you do, can you, can you bear weight on that foot? Yes. Okay. Um, I might have you shadow box and if it's hard to have weight on the leg, then I would have you sit down and shadow box so that you're moving your upper body and maybe use some light hand weights so that you can add a little resistance and burn some more calories. 
You can do upper body exercises. So you can do all your back work, rows, pull downs. Um, you can do push-ups, chest flies, triceps, shoulder work, biceps, uh, sit-ups, core stuff, all of that. But if you can bear weight, you can probably do squats, sumo squats, but anything more dynamic like jumping, running, stepping, lunging, I would avoid. Again, I don't know the extent of the injury, but based on what you're as a trainer, what you're, how you're taught to work around an injury. And I, I did own a sports medicine facility. So I've, I've worked with a lot of physical therapists who've helped me deal with patients like yourself as an aid. Um, you want to avoid anything that's going to impact or twist or rotate or put the, put the foot, the ankle into flexion, uh, ice, obviously like crazy. And have you seen anyone about it? Did they give you any sort of advice? Yes, they did. Okay. And what was the, who did you see and what was the advice they gave you? Um, I saw a physical therapist. Um, excellent. And, um, basically they had me doing the same types of things that I just recommended recommended. upper body work around it. Yeah. Um, If it hurts, stop. (laughs) I love that people like, it's so cute though, because people go, you know, I don't like that answer. I'm going to keep going till I get the answer I want. As though I could say, no, no, Christy, screw it. <laughs> Do some jumping lunges. I get it. I, I can tell obviously from you that like the downtime is really, is clearly not what you want to be hearing right now. Um, no. Okay. Two things. Number one, with the injury, did he give you a recovery time? How severe was it? Um, is it? Well, um, with my injury, it, it was pretty severe. Um, but, uh, um, I'm, I'm finally healed up. I can do all of the things now. Um, okay. But- and so I'm back to doing like all the plyo exercises and everything. Okay. Okay. So it, it's just in the anticipation of how it should be managed. Should it occur in the future? Yes. All right. Exactly. Okay. So you know now the answer to that, don't push or you'll make it much worse. Um, And then the last thought on this is clearly if it's already healed up, but you're like, and then you got sick and then you're going, okay, I hurt my ankle and now I'm sick. And it's like a series of things. And what if this happens again? What does it mean to you if you're down for a little while? Um, well, I always hear your voice in the back of my head, um, telling me, you know, don't phone it in, uh, you got to keep pushing. And, um, there's a part of me that wants to keep doing that, but then there's a part of me that also knows that I need to listen to the doctor's advice. But and- don't phone it in, keep pushing means when you're feeling fit and healthy or you're, you're starting out well and not injured or sick then it means like, look, don't walk on the treadmill when you could put it up on an incline. You know, don't read a magazine, jog some intervals. There's a big difference between push past an injury or an illness. And you really got to look at that and say, okay, because it sounds like you're almost beating yourself up a little bit or almost disappointed or discouraged when you can't go above and beyond. And that's, a, a bigger issue I'm sensing from you here because those two things are not are not the same things at all. And I, I really want you to kind of question that and shift your perspective a little bit. 
uh, and say like, okay, I'm injured. I'll work around it and I'll be clever in that way. And I'm still being proactive. And just, just by that, for that matter, I'm proud of myself. And if I'm sick, I'm going to go down, but there'll be a new day where I'm going to work out again and everything's going to be okay. Okay. Nothing's, nothing's, unless we die, you know what I'm saying? It's my mom used to say that to me, honey, tomorrow's a new day. This too shall pass. Everything's going to be okay. But beating yourself up Mm. and feeling like I should be doing more. Should I be doing more? That's you're questioning something deeper. This is not, you're doing a great job. So remember that. Remember I said that. Okay. Hear that in your head. The next time you want to work out on a bad sprain. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Over the fever. Mother of God. There. All right, buddy. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye. I have a fever and severely sprained ankle, <laughs> but I feel like I should push. Um, now God. I know, but 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 that but you you hit a, you made a really good point that it is it's it's there's something going on no. where you feel you have to push. Come through on, yeah, she's obviously like really hard on herself. You can yeah. tell, and it's pervasive in this issue. Mm. Why are you telling me to push? It's that's not my voice. She's hearing. I guarantee you. That's like. Maybe it, maybe somebody from her somebody past. Else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, at least she, at least she adhered to the advice clearly because she's been rehabilitated. So yay, Christy. Cool. All righty. All righty. Moving on. Moving on. You love the people that love you. You hear the music they move to. You give your Okay, um, let's do an email question. We haven't done one for a while. Okay, good. Um, well, great. For two reasons, we haven't done one in a while, and Katie didn't leave her number. And it's a oh. great question. <laughs> so there's two reasons. Okay. Uh, so, hey, Jillian. Yes. Um, I have been wondering how portion control applies to kids. <laughs> My kids are active, uh, they're active and healthy weight, but sometimes I feel as if a child's size portions they get at restaurants are out of whack, too. Alternately, if they eat... Half a cup of carrots, does that count as a full serving of veggies? Trust me, she says, I don't limit them when it comes to fruits and veggies. I just want to make sure that I'm offering appropriate portions for their little bodies. That's so interesting. Um, how funny. Okay. Katie is her name. This is, uh, this is very timely. Um, first of all, when it does come to fruits and vegetables, with vegetables, the sky's going to be the limit. Let them eat as many vegetables as they want. It's like free. It's free. Free. I call it free food. Yeah. Yeah. Other than starch, like potatoes, that doesn't count. But like greens and carrots, people go, oh, they're high in sugar. They're actually not. Um, Carrots are actually, they're they're actually low in sugar, but the amount of, the the quality of the sugar in a carrot converts to blood sugar very quickly, but it's actually low in sugar. You don't have to worry about carrots. You don't have to worry about tomatoes. You don't have to worry about greens. They can eat as much as they want. Um, So if it's like, oh, I gave them a cup of carrots, is it enough? Well, the more uh, vegetables you give them, the better off they're going to be. And if you can get your kids to eat vegetables, you're a winner. So what I've just discovered, because I was having such a a hard time getting my daughter to eat vegetables, um, this is my new favorite thing on the planet. I love this company more than anything. Uh, I was at this gifting suite a while ago, and I picked up these. It was like a kid gifting suite, right? And 
Um, and I went to this thing, and I never go to these things, and there was a company there called Happy Tot. And there are these little organic tubes. Um, I know it sounds gross, man, but they're, they're uh, okay, so it's fruit with spinach. So it's like sweet potato, carrot, and apple. Like spinach, raspberry, and something else. So I was able to get the vegetables in my daughter and trick her. Because she, it tastes like Oh no, everything's a game. And it's who's smarter. Her. Everything's a game. And every That's time funny. I pull one over on her with like, you know, and I would say like, like the chocolate macro greens, um, things like that. Like she thinks is a chocolate shake. And I'm like, ha ha, you know, it's not a chocolate shake. It's vegetables. So again, if as much, um, uh, as many vegetables as you can get in your kid, the better. So there's no wrong amount of portion, and it's it's challenging to get uh, to get these foods in them. If you can find creative ways like the ones I just mentioned, I think you're off to a great start. Um, another thing is calories. Now, with my daughter, she's two, right? And I mean, this kid eats and eats and eats and eats. Really? Holy mama. She eats, right? So I was like, this is nuts. She's eating like like an adult eats. Like she eats as much as I eat. But I don't know when to st- I actually did not know when to stop her, stop. right? So like she, you know, she had a vitamin B deficiency because she's not eating a ton of red meat in Haiti, obviously. So I was thinking to myself, okay, how am I going to get red meat in this kid? So I, you know, I got some like uh, spelt pasta and we made a little meat sauce for her. And that's how I was getting the meat in there is because I mixed it with the tomato sauce and the pasta. And I felt so triumphant because it's like there's no way you're feeding a two-year-old steak. If you are, like, I don't know what kind of kid. Good for you. But it wasn't happening. So I snuck it in that way. And she ate a serving and then ate another serving and then wanted another serving. And we looked at each other and we were like, do we give, what do we, do she need, should I give her another, I don't know what to do. And she wants another serving. So I actually called my doctor and I was like, how many calories am I supposed to feed this kid? She's two years old. And she said 1,500 to 1,600 calories and 2,000 if she's incredibly active. I'm like an incredibly active two. And she is, by the way, pretty active. She runs and she, you know, plays and she's just, she doesn't watch TV because she's never seen TV. So she doesn't, I actually tried to play, I am so ashamed. I tried to placate her with Yo Gabba Gabba one morning when I was just like, I could barely function. I was so tired. I was like, I just need a minute. I just, if I can just, <laughs> I was like, I just need a minute. If it's just, what if it's educational television? It's not the same. She doesn't see it. She doesn't give a crap. The TV doesn't register because it's nothing she's ever seen before. Isn't that fantastic in a way? No, I mean, I mean, no, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> no, slight, no, just a little bit fantastic. No, nope. Okay, yeah, okay, no. Yeah, right, I, yeah, I, oh yeah. my God, no. I'd I, No. So, it, but it, it's like, and so then I went back and I looked at the calories that I was giving her and I was like, well, I mean, yeah, this lunch was probably 500 calories and I'd only given her 200 for breakfast. I gave her 110 calories of a yogurt and a banana. Yeah. I was like, that's a lot of food for a two year old. It's 200 friggin' calories. And, you know, and then when we got to lunchtime, she ate like three servings. She had like 500 calories worth of pasta. Then she gets a snack and then she has dinner. But guess what? It came out to about 1500, 1600 calories. And there was room because she's active. So it's kind of shocking. But the doctor said that because her little body is growing, you know, it's like that's that's a good number. And if you think about it, 
I'm not taking her to McDonald's. She's not eating like 500 calories and small fries and then, you know, 700 calories in a Happy Meal and 150 calories in a soda. I don't know how many calories are in one of those Happy Meals, but you've got French fries, a burger, and probably a, a drink or a shake. So when you think about what kids eat, all the junk that they're eating at school, that's actually a pretty reasonable, healthy number. So calorie it out. And if you're talking older kids, here's my best advice to you. Ask your doctor, really, kid fit, kid fitness calorie-wise, ask your doctor and say, okay, my kid's 14 and this active and this healthy. Does your kid have weight to lose? So she said if, if my child was obese at two, I'd put her on 1,200. If she's extremely active at two, I'd put her at 2,000. And if she's right in the middle, 1,500, 1,600, and that's where I've got her. So ask your doctor what the healthy range is based on your child and then give them the healthiest foods possible. And with vegetables, they're free. They don't need to be pounding fruit all day long. But it's, you know, I seriously doubt your kid's going to overdose on on fruit. I mean, Ben and Jerry's, maybe. Potato chips, very possibly. But fruit, I doubt that they're going to pound so much fruit you'd ever have to worry. Right. Does that help? Yeah. No, that's good. Good. That's good. I'm asking you because she didn't leave her number. Did you find that helpful, Janice? I did. I did. <laughs> I portion. Uh, I portion f- foods for my animals. I do too. Because Richard is obese, my little chihuahua. Yeah, I portion. You have to. And you know what? I've I've started. I mean, not this is off of kids, but I started doing Millie uh, the raw diet. The dog. Yep. I took I get- my dogs off grain. I read that somewhere. Like, don't give them grain for some reason. Yeah, I got her on the. I took her. I went to a dog health, a health food dog store, and she's on the raw, like the raw. That's awesome. Food, yeah. It's, I love it's, it. It's, it's really nasty looking, but it's supposed to be really good for him. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if this grain thing is right. I think it might just be cats, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. So, what, how do we get on this? Well, we were talking about portions, then of course I had to. I wanted to talk about my children too. Yeah, you should see. um, Oh my God! So all the dogs with the two-year-old, they're like, yes, because all she does is drop food. (laughs) I'm serious. I just don't even feed the dogs anymore because all they do is follow her around. They get they're like cheese because she just drops like her cheese stick on the ground, and the dogs are like, yes, they follow her, they stalk her. And they wait. W- wait for her to drop food. And she does. Richard. Wait till they start bumping into her on purpose. Oops. Sorry. Oh, no. Seven did that the other day. She took her out. <laughs> Swiped the cheese stick. I remember Seven. Remember <laughs> Seven yeah. used to come to that old studio that we were at? That's and chew right. the cords? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Jake. Julie would, let, Julie would let her go underneath the thing. And, and all of a sudden, like, something would stop on the broadcast. And I go, oh, what the no. hell? <laughs> what the hell's going on? <laughs> There's seven. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, we're in so much trouble. Because <laughs> there was this big rule that. about don't bring your dogs in. Remember, you'd smuggle her in. I would smuggle her in. Oh, we were bad. Well, that was the good old days. It was funny. Yeah. I smell a dog fart. Is that a dog fart? Is there a dog in <laughs> There's right a dog. Now? Yeah, that's what that is. <laughs> All right. All right, good. Should we end on dog parts? You know, how else, where else can you go with that? I don't know. Really I don't know. Else to go. All right. Okay. Yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy. <laughs> Enjoy. And she spoke words that would melt in your hands. And she spoke words
If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Schleichinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years, one of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. <laughs>